0: Heavenly Father, put words in my mouth so I speak reverently to the hearts of your devout disciples, so your purpose be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. I have spoken all over the world in business, from crowds as small as 150 people to crowds as large as 20,000 people in a convention center with Jumbotron TVs transmitting the image of the speaker because the speaker is way out God knows where right and I've never spoken in front of a congregation and today I feel truly blessed there are two two basic ways to stewardship I believe one is to give money and as a businessman I understand that word that five letter word and the other one is to raise the membership of the church and I think the Episcopal Church of which I've been uh, a part of since I can remember um, is remiss in both the categories they have a hard time asking for money and they have a terribly hard time inviting people to attend church with them and I encourage you to do both I mean we're all stewards we're born into a Christian family were born stewards so we should be doing both but I'm going to focus on tithing which is a a very popular subject that's why I've been given the task of talking about it (laughs) Tony has done well (laughs) by the end of the day you know somebody says you know you're packing them in Leo and I said uh, we'll see (laughs) I hope I'm still uh, a good person by the end of this, uh, this, this day Jesus taught with parables, and we're supposed to emulate Jesus and his his, uh, his uh, complete life on earth. Now, we fall short all the time, but I'm going to try to step up and, and, uh, and teach. You know, he was called a rabbi because he was a teacher, and he was the son of God, but he was also a teacher. So I'm going to teach in his in his likeness and so therefore I'm going to teach you with a story Uh, the story uh, is a personal one it it hit me square between my eyes Uh, when something hits you between your eyes you're not a happy person Uh, I wasn't happy when this happened and you won't be happy most probably if you take me seriously you're not going to be happy tonight uh, today the lights are on so I say tonight I usually speak in the evening by the way um I I had a relationship with my uncle, or actually it lacked a relationship because we didn't get along. Uh, He was a very successful man. He was rather pompous. He was uh, arrogant. Uh, He was um, uh, condescending. He he spoke down to people. But he was successful. He had diplomatic plates on his chauffeur-driven car, which implied that he had diplomatic immunity, and that kind of gave him the reason to be totally immunized he didn't need the h1n1 virus he was totally immunized <laughs> and he, he he used to he used to taunt me and 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 bother me a lot and i was a teenager going to college and i didn't understand this immense immensely secure you know person exhibited some insecurity here you know so i didn't get along with him 20 years later I found myself in India. I was living in the United States. I used to go back and forth, and I found myself in India alone. Usually, my mom and dad were there, but they were visiting me here. They used to spend every other summer here, from May through August, and so I had to do some business in Hong Kong and India. So I went to India, and uh, lo and behold, I'm in the hotel about a mile and a half from my mom and dad's house, but they're not there. They're visiting me here. Interesting uh, situation, and. My uncle lived in the same neighborhood as my mom and dad lived, and uh, something very amazing took place. Now, when something happens that's really different, you know, uh, modern uh, people, uh, we say, that's incredible, and, and, and that's unbelievable. And both those don't apply when we talk about God but Because there's nothing incredible about God It's all credible If you believe And there's nothing unbelievable about God If you believe Oh, how profound <laughs> <laughs> so, so here I am Something amazing happened I rolled over from my bed I, I arrived in India at about 2.33 in the morning By the time I cleared customs and reached the hotel It was close to 4 About 9 o'clock I rolled out of bed and I reached for the phone and I dialed a number I hadn't dialed in 20 years And I dialed it like I knew the number. I didn't even know the number. I dialed the number. It was my uncle's number whom I didn't want to know (laughs) That's amazing The second amazing thing is when he picked up the phone and said hello I said hi this is Leo And, And he said Leo. He says where are you? And I said, I'm at the overall intercontinental hotel, you know, and he says, oh, I said something more amazing. Would you like to have breakfast? So he most probably got taken off. You know, he he was taken aback, I mean, and he, he said, oh, okay, when? And I said, now. So he says, give me 15 minutes. I'll be there. So we had breakfast and we were talking like, you know, we were old friends. It was a facade. And then suddenly, he looked me square in the eye and he said, I'm compelled to ask you this question. And I said, uh-oh, here it comes. He's starting his stuff again. And he says, do you tithe? Out of the blue. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy is not a preacher. He has no control over me. Who is he? Why should, you know, all the, the normal, you know, satanic were welling up in me and I said uh, I give I I I give generously and he looked at me and he said that's not what I asked you he says do you tithe and I repeated uh, "I I I give and I do give generously and he says Leo do you tithe And it was extremely uncomfortable, as some of you are feeling right now, because I'm asking you that third party. And I said, no. And he said, let me tell you a story. He says, I was retiring a few years ago. And he says, I haven't really admitted this to anybody really, but... uh, um, the money in the month never matched, even though I did very well financially. The money in the month never matched. And he blamed his wife and his two daughters. He says, they, they can spend money, I'll tell you. And, uh, and he says, I was worried that I couldn't make 100% stretch through the whole month. How am I going to make a fraction of it when I retire so I decided to have a little meeting a board meeting at home he says one of my daughters was married in Norway so she was out of the coop so now I got this other woman who's my wife and my daughter and I'm going to sit them down and tell him we've got to tighten our belts pull our socks up reduce the expenditures and you know get, get tight here with the money so he had this conversation and both of them says the reason why we don't have enough money is because you don't tie. So what's the matter with you? We're talking about money in the month, and you're talking about giving ten percent of what we don't have away. What, what what is this nonsense? You know. So they said, well, you don't tithe, and that's why there's there's not plenty. So he said, oh yeah, and they had this argument, and he said, I'm going to tithe, and you're going to have to even further tighten your belts. And he made his big statement as head of the family, and he tithe, and he was very nervous. And that same calendar month, his phone rang and his ex-boss, ex meaning he had retired a little earlier than him, called him and said, uh, Dan, I'm in town. I'm at the Oberoi Intercontinental, the same hotel that we're having breakfast in. He's telling me the story. So he says, yeah, he says, wow. He says, what brings you here? He says, why don't you come on over for lunch? she goes for lunch they have lunch and he says you know they had a conversation and then, the, then he got down to the nitty gritty he says I've been married for almost 40 years I'm going to be married 40 years pretty soon it's my 40th anniversary and when we were young I was broke I had no money and I, I didn't buy my wife or my fiancé then, a, a diamond ring, and I just bought her a band, a wedding band, and 40 years later, I'm going to make it up to her. I'm buying her a carrot for every decade. I want a four-carrot ring, and I'm buying the diamond, and why, why shouldn't I come to India? Because that's where the diamonds are cut and everything, and, and I know you, and you've always been great, dance, so take me and get me a diamond. So they go to the bed jeweler in town where my uncle and my aunt and my cousins used to buy their jewelry from because they were wealthy people. And that's where most probably they overspent their money. So he goes and buys this four carat diamond for thirty-something thousand dollars. And as he's walking out the store with his ex-boss, this 15-year-old boy comes in. He's the grandson of the big diamond merchant. And he says... Sir, he says, my grandfather told me to give you this, give you this, and he gives him, hands him a packet that looked like a pound cake with a, in a brown paper bag with rubber bands. And my uncle says, I was thinking, man, I bring him a client for 40, thirty something thousand dollars, and the guy gives me a pound cake as a thank you. <laughs> it's like, it's ridiculous so he takes it he throws in the back of the car he drops his buddy in the hotel and then he goes and he tells his wife you won't believe the size of the diamond and all that finally she says what's that packet he says oh you won't believe that either that stupid merchant sends us a pound cake that's the thank you for taking him a 30 something thousand dollar customer (laughs) so they open it and it's one thousand rupee bills 10% of the value of the diamond as a thank you. It wasn't pound cake. (laughs) And he says, Leo, I started to tithe. (laughs) And he says, In my retirement now, I am living such a beautiful life. You won't believe it. And I'm I'm all upset about this whole story. Because I'm just like everybody else. Like, yeah... I think you're making this stuff up. I think you're the exact guy I know you to be. Pompous, arrogant, so on and so forth. I leave, I come back to America, and it's, in the, it's not in the back of my head. It's right square in the front of my head, and I tithe. And I'm nervous, because tithing when you're broke is horrendous. Tithing when you're middle class and you're just making it happen is horrendous. Tithing when you're wealthy is horrendous because it's a big check. It's not good. It's never good. So I'm tithing and I'm all nervous and I'm like, what's going to happen? And then in the same calendar month, I kid you not. Now, you don't have to believe me, but then you got a problem in belief, not me tithe. The phone rings. I I own three companies. I don't answer the phone. I'm the CEO. So I pick up the phone and say, hello, silhouette. And the voice on the other side, government officials, police and fire don't speak well. They're like very terse and authoritative instead of and they're asking for something. Right. So the other side of the phone says this is the Department of Transportation. Are you the owner or the manager? Now, usually when somebody asks me that, I say, Hold on, let me get you the manager, because I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> so I say, I'm the owner. W- did I do something? Because there's a department of transportation. I don't even know. I don't have, like, trucks flying on the road. What's going on? So she says, the woman says, Are you a minority? I'm <laughs> like. I guess I am. So she says, Well, then I got a contract for you to fill. And she goes and tells me I have to make a royal blue nylon jacket, baseball jacket with a knitted uh, neck and knitted cuffs. And we have got to do 600 of them for the no-fly zone in Kosovo because the snipers are killing the U.N. workers. And so we have to have United Nations no-fly zone embroidered in gold letters in the back with the stars of the... European Union. I said, excuse me. I said, I'm in the high fashion silk business. I manufacture women's clothes and textiles. I don't do nylon baseball jackets. (laughs) She says, sir, you're a minority company. I said, yeah. She says, please fill this order. We have to fill this order with a minority. The government is weird. (laughs) So I said, fine. Long story short, three phone calls. 600 jackets I had to give the price that she she said if you give me a lower price we'll reject it if you give me a higher price we'll reject it so I had to come in at the same price she told me I made $15 a jacket 600 uh, 600 jackets $9,000 and 3 phone calls I tied. <laughs> now some of you might think this is a warm and fuzzy kind of a fun little chat we've had one way soliloquy I'm giving you my Shakespeare, but it's real. I want to read you two passages from the Bible that are so critical that you'll understand that this is real. The first comes from two Chronicles and. Hezekiah is cleaning house because his father and his forefathers were just a crummy bunch of kings who didn't listen to God, who didn't care about the entire exodus that transpired and they were, you know, the chosen ones. They were just going to do their own thing like most of us. So, Hezekiah is cleaning house and he's giving directives and he's telling, um, you know, I never talk with notes, but I have to know. He's telling Azariah, the the chief priest, he says, listen, do this, do that, do that. And a part of it is tithing, right? Collect the tithe. So, it's 2 Chronicles 31.10. So, here it is. And Azariah answered him and said since the people began to bring offerings into the house of the Lord we have enough to eat and have plenty left for the Lord has blessed his people and what is left in this is great abundance great abundance wow I don't know about you but I like that word a lot <laughs> I just love that word a lot I'm like Get, hit me with some abundance And then people say in the New Testament, you know, uh, when Jesus came, everything changed, you know, forget about tithing, you know, tithing is for the Levites, there aren't any Levites, especially in the Episcopal Church, have you ever seen a Levite? (laughs) So, uh, you know, the 10% goes to the Levites and none of us are Levites, so none of us, you know, should be giving or getting any of that stuff, but, you see, Jesus says, it's written in red, so that tells a dumb guy like me that that's Jesus talking. (laughs) He says in, in Matthew 23, 23, He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Oh boy. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and common and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So he's, he's reprimanding them about maintaining the tithe deal. But, but the reason why I bring this chapter up is very, very, very critical. Because, you know, Jesus then says, These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Jesus says, you have to do this and you have to do the others, and the others including tithing, because he he specifically talks about tithing. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you uh, watch PBS and buy a $7.50 CD for 75
1: bucks?
0: (laughs) You know you do it. 'Cause you get warm and fuzzy and you say that was a great concert. That was a recycled concert from forty two years ago.
1: <laughs>
0: but you do give ten times what you should give, because at seven fifty there's profit. I'm a businessman. At seven fifty there's profit. At seventy five dollars, don't ask me I think that's usury in a way. But it's a non profit, so fine. I really encourage you to look into your heart. Don't, don't look into your minds because your minds analyze and evaluate. And in God's house, you don't analyze and evaluate. You believe. I believe. You believe. So look into your hearts and, eval- and, and, and think about, pray about this. That Do I want to tithe? 10%. 10%. No less. And there will be abundance in your life. Walk with me on this, I pray. Amen.